Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. Come on, good morning, Vanguard. I want to say good morning to my good friend, Rich Bennett, that's watching online, the director of Life Network. We'll be with you soon, Rich, as we celebrate uh, the banquet and as we celebrate the protection of life. I read in the news this week that Mexico, in the highest court, has decided that protecting the unborn is an act of violence against the mother. Can you believe that? We live in a world that doesn't want to protect the most innocent in all the world. And Rich, we want you to know, Vanguard stands with you. We'll be with you. We believe in the Mission of Life Network, and we're excited about what God has in 2024 for that organization. Amen. Let's give, let's give Rich a, We give you a hand, Rich. Thank you for your faithfulness. 22 years ago, I was a man of sorrow. You say, why? Well, I got up early to get ready to get to work here at Vanguard and to prepare a sermon. It was a Tuesday. And 25 minutes later, Roger, I still couldn't find my keys. You had a day like this before? Finally, I went in to Tasha and I said, Tasha, I don't know where my keys are. I've looked everywhere 10 times. I can't find them. So she got up and she started helping me look as well. And then we decided to get the girls up. And at that time, we only had two children, Anastasia, our oldest, and Christiana, our second born. The other three weren't even around yet. And we started looking through the house and uh, from top to bottom, and I said to Anastasia, who was four years old at the time, sweetie, is there any chance you would know where daddy's keys are? And she was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And she went and got her little purse. She had been playing with them the night before. And she opened her purse, and there they were. And now here we are, you know, 22 years later, and on the day that I wrote this message, August 15th, 2023, really struggling with some sorrows, Danell, one of our pastors on staff, sent me an email and she said, hey, I've been reading Isaiah 30, 18 to 26, and I believe today God is going to show mercy to us. Now, I want to introduce to you My daughter, Anastasia, at age 26, look at this picture up on the screen. You can call me grandpa. I don't know what you can call Tasha, all right? Enter at your own risk, all right? All right? Steve Lights, who was one of the first people to come to Christ through this church, 
uh, I text him. He lives in North Carolina. And he said, Kelly, you and I look like grandparents. Tasha doesn't yet. So I forwarded that text to her, all right? But Anastasia, she's 26 years old now. She's uh, basically six months younger than the church. She lives in Phoenix uh, with her husband, Chris. And Chris will actually, and Anastasia will actually be here uh, for Christmas this year. Uh, And Chris is going to speak for the first time at our church on December 31st to our congregation. And we're excited. And would you put your hands together and just welcome him? He's probably going to watch this. I know his mama is watching this this morning. Uh, Kathy and Tom in Albuquerque, good morning. Welcome to you. See, Anastasia was born on my mother's birthday. And that is extremely significant to the story of my own life personally. And see, it is difficult in the sorrows of our lives if we stop showing up by faith in Jesus Christ. It is difficult to ever see God connect the dots. But if you'll keep showing up, God will eventually show up. Winter is a season. It is not the full extent of your life. Amen? And what I learned in that moment with Anastasia when she was four years old, and I still see it in my mind's eye, is that in that moment, instead of getting angry that I couldn't find my keys, which would have been my normal approach, frustration, instead of getting angry, I stepped back and I said, Lord, what do you want to show me today since I can't find my keys? And God showed me an attitude of compassion. God showed me that we need other people to find the essentials, i.e. the keys to drive our vehicles. And we need each other more than ever before in our lives. And I want to challenge you that everything inside of you, when things seem to be out of control, is that we want to push others away. And I am so grateful for the individuals, and I'm so grateful for the elders of our church who come around me and remind me and challenge me that we need each other that we need each other to live out this calling that God has on all of our lives. And so Paul is going to talk to us today, not just about the fact that we need other people's presence in our lives, Pastor John, that's great. But more than their presence, we need their prayers. We need people that will stay in relationship with us and pray for us, and believe in the calling that God has placed on our lives. But see, sorrow uh, and prolonged sorrow, and I don't know about you, but the stories that I just shared with you are 22 years apart, uh, not being able to find my keys, and the text from Danelle. Sometimes I get tired of being sorrowful. Just get tired of it. Just get weary of it because it feels like it's the constant companion of the narrative of my life. And I have a sneaky suspicion that that's true for you as well. 
Today, I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And I want to encourage you this morning to share the service, to be a virtual evangelist. One thing that we are observing as we take notice of our online attendance is that uh, our, our live attendance has gone down and continues to go down since the pandemic. But those that tune in during the week keeps going up. And so God is at work right now. And God is working in people's lives that have distanced themselves from his church. And I don't fully understand the complication of all of what is taking place globally. But when I talk with people, not just here in Colorado Springs, when I talk with people all over the world, I hear this feeling of, I'm not sure why I keep showing up. And the enemy is hard at work at trying to get you to isolate yourself because once you are isolated on the Serengeti, he can destroy you by yourself. But when we are together, we are better together. Amen? When we are together, we are better together. Come on. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's begin today in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. And we want to answer this question, what are the faith essentials in the grind? What are they? What are these keys that we need to help each other to find and, and to remember? Look at verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I've never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you. Somebody say it. How often? Constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give your spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So what are the faith essentials? Essential number one, grow in your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Grow in your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Whenever somebody says to me, and I've done this for a long time, whenever somebody says to me, do you think you could have done that better? The answer will always be yes. Yes. The moment that you're no longer a student of life, you've stopped growing. The moment that you think you've arrived, you've missed the destination. God wants us to walk in humility, but catch this with great boldness and courage. And it takes all of us a long time to figure out how to do both of those things simultaneously in all the relationships of our lives. So what is spiritual wisdom and understanding? Here's just a short definition. And I stole this from my wife, just so you know. The ability to see life from God's perspective. The ability to see life from God's perspective. I want to go back to the key incident. I'm up early, ready to write a sermon, 
and I fast on those days. And so generally, uh, I, you know, the clock is ticking on the creativity and on my patience and, you know, everything that goes into all of this process. And in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, precious time is being wasted on something that shouldn't matter, that isn't necessary. And in that moment, I can basically see the circumstance from my perspective, which I do. And see, all of us can see our lives from our perspective. But then the question is, once we get a grasp on our perspective of our lives, can we step back and say, God, I would like to see your perspective on this situation. I would like for you to tell me how you see this. And God will begin to talk to you. And he'll begin to say to you, like he says to me, Kelly, this is what I'm trying to show you. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I went and I checked on my hot fence yesterday. Now, don't worry, it won't kill anybody. It's a pulsating, you know, people ask me this. City people ask me these questions, all right? It won't kill anybody. It's just got a pulse. And, and it keeps my cows from going where they're not supposed to go. And when I walked up to the fence, I checked it, and I was like, oh, well, I've got to work on something because I have this thing called a fault finder that tells me where to go look. And so it tells me to go that way or that way. It's fencing for dummies, all right? And so uh, the fault finder said the fault's that way. So I walk up the driveway, and I find, oh, I found where I need to fix the fence. So I fixed it. I go back down and I hook it back up, right? Because you have to unhook it because you don't, you don't have a shocking experience. So I hook it back up and then I test it. Guess what? It was worse. And I was standing there like... Amen? Do you have any of these situations in your life where you try to do something about and you make them worse. And in that moment, the Lord said to me, you want my perspective on this fence moment? I go, yeah, I do. He said, if you try to fix this, you're going to make it worse. And this he told me. He was talking to me about something specifically. I was like, huh. Thank you, Lord. So then, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then he began to talk to me about what he wants me to do and not do and when to do and what not to do do, right? And all of this. See, it's so interesting how the very rudimentary moments of our lives, God wants to use them, losing the keys, fixing the fence. God wants to give you his perspective. And I believe that what you drive, what you wear, where you live, who you're in relationship with, all of this, God uses to reveal himself to you. Everything about your life, the things you like, the things you don't like, God is trying to talk to you about you and his perspective of your life.
And so that's what spiritual wisdom is, is a willingness, instead of letting your frustration or letting your anger or letting your hurt or letting your sorrow or letting your feelings of whatever. And I said to Tasha this morning as we were driving here, I said, honey, I need you to pray for this loud voice that's in the back of my head because the enemy wants me to focus on that voice and I don't want to focus on it. I don't. I don't. I don't want the enemy's voice dictating to me my perspective and how I'm going to live this life. But I have a sneaky suspicion I'm not the only one in the room or watching online. I'm not the only one in the room that has these voices that's trying to dictate to me, to you, how you're going to view your life and how you're going to view the circumstances of your life, so the ability to see it from. So how do we grow in our spiritual wisdom and understanding? Going back to that key incident, number one, don't assume you know something when you don't. Don't assume you know something when you don't. There's an incredible temptation to go, well, I know what's going on there. And I got news for you. There's so much about your life you don't know what's going on. And there's so many good things that God is doing around you that you have no idea he's doing. I find it interesting, and I learned this from Dr. Swindoll when I was at Dallas Theological Seminary. He said, you know, we feel a calling on our lives from God. And we hear God say, I want you to go down this hallway in our lives. And we look up, and at the end of that hallway is a door. We go, ah. God wants me to go through that door. And so we go down this hallway and we go through all kinds of difficulty to get down this hallway and we get to the end of the hallway and right when we get to the end of the hallway, a door to the right that we didn't see when we were standing at the end of the hallway opens and we stop and go, well, God, you obviously don't love me. You obviously don't care. You obviously don't see all the work I did to get to the end of this hallway. And the Lord's trying to say to us, I never told you you were going through the door at the end of the hallway. You told yourself that. I told you to go down the hallway. The door that I opened is the one I want you to go through. And so many times we misinterpret because we assume we know something when we don't. Number two, look for what God's trying to show you in your sorrows. Look for what God's trying to show you in your sorrows. See, letting yourself feel your sorrows is not a lack of faith. You say, no, no. Letting yourself feel your sorrows is not a lack of faith. You ready? It's the path of faith. Show me someone that is not denying the sorrows of their life, but is still walking with the Lord. And I will tell you, that person is walking the path of faith. You feel the sorrows in your feet. You feel the sorrows in your hands. You feel the sorrows in your head. You hear them. You feel them in your heart. I learned that God prefers compassion in that key incident over anger. But none of us are there, are we? 
It's a simple teaching, but it's profound. See, if you will let yourself learn simple teachings, it will bring you to profound moments. And profound moments will usher you into God's will for your life. If you will simply look at these moments from God's perspective. Paul continues, look at verse 18. Now I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. You know, when I read a verse like this, Steve, you know what I think? I think Woodman Road driving east in the morning. Sometimes people come up here and look at these lights and go, how do you get used to that? I just drive Woodman, right? Because it's like, and I only drive it from like I-25 to Academy, And then I spend the rest of the time from Academy to Austin Bluffs adjusting my eyesight and the spots that I see in them from the sun that I see uh, at certain times of the year just driving woodmen. And I'm sure there's roads in the city that you feel the same thing. So he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light and so that you can understand the wonderful future that he has promised to those he has called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. So here's essential number two. Be flooded with God's light. Be flooded with God's light. Now, what is God's light? It's his presence. So why be flooded? Why don't we just, you know, just sprinkle a little bit, right? Let's just get a little bit of his presence. I was reading this morning Eugene Peterson's synopsis of the prophets. And he said, you know the difference between a prophet and other people? Prophets don't differentiate between the secular and the sacred. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. It's all sacred. What do you do when you hear that a flood's coming. We had one at our farm this summer. You know, it starts to rain. And then we have this... Comes on the TV, right? Every 20 seconds. Just annoying. And after about 20 times, you're like, I I cannot watch TV anymore because I can't get through one episode of whatever it is I'm trying... And then here comes the rain. And then I can step out and I can hear Monument Creek and I can, it's starting, it's starting to roll. And I watch all of a sudden, all this water start to flood through our property and flood through our city like it did uh, in the spring and early part of the summer. The flooding that took place. I mean, unreal, unreal. If you know that there's a flood coming, what do you do? Huh? Higher ground. I run. I don't know about you. I don't know if you remember the movie Deep Impact. Watch this clip.
So who in the world wants that in their life? You go, why'd you show us that? Because when God's presence floods your life, it feels like that. It's foreign. It's fearful. And you are tempted to run to that which makes sense to you and that which gives you security. And when God is trying to do a new work in your life, there is a great temptation to go back to an old addiction. God wants you to see a couple of things in this passage. Go back to verse 18. And I was talking to one of my friends this morning. And friend, you know who, you're, who you are? You're watching online? Listen to this part. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the what? Somebody say it. The what? Come on, the what? The wonderful, the wonderful, the wonderful future that God has for you. Do not run from the flood of the light of his presence. Don't run from it. You go, it's so foreign to me. It's so scary to me. I don't understand it. I cannot relate to it. But if you will not run, he will show you the wonderful future that he has for you. That he has, somebody say it, promised. He's promised. God's not a liar. God is not a liar. God has promised you a wonderful future, but your life right now feels like that wave, and it feels like God's presence is destroyed and is destroying what matters to you most. But that is just your perspective. That is not God's intention. And if you will say to God, God, would you show me your intention and your perspective of the flood that you're bringing into my life right now? God will. God will. God will. God will show you. And then look at this second thing I want you to realize. I love that word realize. I want you to realize not just conceptually, I want you to realize practically what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given you. I want you to begin to say, Lord, show me. Show me the wonderful future that you have for me and show me the wonderful blessings you have for me in the season that's coming because of the trials of the season I'm in. Amen? Amen? But if you run from that flood, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God has for you. You go, yeah, but he's going to destroy things I want to keep. Yes. Yes but they're the very things that are hindering you from the future season, the wonderful future season that he has for you.
I had to come to terms. And James, I want to speak directly to you for a second. I had to come to terms in my life that my deceased loved one was not in my present. She was in my past, but she is not in my present. And she hasn't been for three plus decades, but she is in my future. And I will live for the wonderful future that God has for you and me, for you and me. And I will fight through all the hard feelings that I have toward God. And there's a lot of them some days. I will fight through all of those hard feelings to prepare my heart for the wonderful future that he has for us. And I love you and Tony. I I stand with you guys in this season. Grief is a horrible, horrible friend. It is a horrible friend. But the Lord understands our grief. And he is preparing a wonderful future for us. He is. And what I have found, strangely enough, and I said this to Tasha yesterday, for the first time in my life, I've discovered that if you make decisions by faith, you will vicariously know God better. Because faith is the doorway. Faith is the pathway by which he welcomes you in to a greater flooding of his presence and his perspective in your life. And so I don't know where in your life you need to make a decision of faith, but I know where it is in my life. And I want to challenge you to join me. Let's go through the door of faith. Let's walk one more step this week down the path of faith and let's claim in the name of Jesus the wonderful future that God has. And as I said to my friend this morning, he said, you know what? The enemy is just beating me up about my past. I said, I know because he senses the wonderful future God has for you. He senses the wonderful future that God has for you. Don't run. So how do I be flooded by God so I can experience that hope? Number one, quit running from it. So you say to him, Lord, where in my life am I running from you? It's it's so hard when you have those vicarious moments and you're kind of outside your body looking at your life and you go, is that really me, God? He goes, yeah, that's you. (laughs) Oh, my soul, that guy's a mess. That guy's a mess. And he says, well, if you'll quit running in this area of your life, I'll turn your mess into a miracle. I'll do something in your life that will profoundly surprise you. That's who I am. Number two, let yourself feel your fears in his presence. Let yourself feel your fears in his presence. Now, I'm going to say something that you're going to think about this week. All your fears are tied to your small ambitions. 
All your fears are tied to your small ambitions. You go, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with it either when I first begin to experience this. But I want you to think about this. All your fears are tied to your small ambitions. You say, illustrate. Because in your fears, you say things like this to God. This is not the life I envisioned for me. And whatever life you envisioned for you is a small ambition. Yeah? Because the life that God has envisioned for you is a wonderful future and a blessed inheritance. It is an eternal, eternal reward. And it is so much bigger than you could ever imagine. You could ever imagine. But see, if you have to hold on to your fears because you envisioned your life differently, and if you let go, you're afraid. If you let go, it's going to go even further in a direction you don't want to go. But number three, let go of your small ambitions. Let go. See, fear causes us to do one of two things, fight or flight. And I want to encourage you, put down your fist, stop running, and turn and receive the flooding of his presence. Say, Lord, I don't know, I don't understand, and go through the, like I did in my journal, go through all the things you don't understand about your life. Okay, and then when you get done with that, say, by faith, I will turn and trust you. I will, touch, I will trust you. Look at verse 19. Now, I pray that you'll begin to understand. I love this. I pray that you'll begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. The same? The same. The same? It's the same. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Huh. You mean the same power that in his darkest hour said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done? Yes, that's it. That's it. Even our Savior standing at the door that the Father had asked him to go through after walking down the long hallway, he gets to the door that opens that the Father wants him to go through, and he kneels in the Garden of Gethsemane and says, Father, would you let it pass? Would you let it pass? Would you let it pass? But not my will but your will be done. And then he got up and he went through the door. He got up and he went through the door. And now he seated him in the place of what? Somebody say it. Come on, what? Seated him where? 
place of honor. Honor. At God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in the world or in the world to come. He's all that and a whole bunch more. And God's put all these things under the authority of Christ. He gave him this authority for the benefit of the, somebody say it. Come on, who? Us. He has authority. You ready? To give us for our benefit. He has authority that he gives us for our benefit. Let's put it all under the feet of Jesus. And the church is his body. The church is his body. It's filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Amen. Essential number three. Begin to experience his power. Begin to experience it. Begin to experience the power that God has for your life as he floods you and as you, you feel so out of control and you feel like you want to run and return to something that feels secure and return to the past. Now, what does it mean to understand? What does it mean to understand his power? It means this. It means you experience it. You begin to experience it. So to understand something, you have to experience it. And to experience it, you have to stand and allow him to flood you in that moment of incredible fear. And what happens? He consumes you in his presence. Say, what does it feel like? Oh, it's completely scary. Why do you think that every time God reveals himself in the Bible, he says, fear not? Every time God shows up, fear not. Why does God have to tell his people, fear not? Because when God invades your life, it's foreign. It's foreign. You ready? It's not how you envisioned it. And you got to give up your small ambitions to live his large and eternal plan for your life. But once you've tasted, mm, mm, mm. Pastor Aaron, where are you in the room, brother? Come on up, brother. Where are you? Listen, once you've tasted Pastor Aaron's fried chicken, And cornbread, what else? Mm. Once you've tasted, you want more. You want more. Nothing compares. See, here's, you say, how come? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that he's trying to give you. But do you think he can give you that kind of power 
without faith? No, he can't and he won't. He can't and he won't. So go back to verse 22. And the church is his body. It's filled by Christ who fills everything, everywhere with his presence. I read a quote from Tim Keller this week. Tim Keller went to be with the Lord this year. Tim Keller said, when you become a Christian, you realize death makes it better. That's from a man dying of cancer before he died. When you become a Christian, you realize death makes it better. God put all authority under the church for its benefit. So here's the challenge. I want to challenge you to cry out. Lord, flood me with your presence so that I can experience your power in the daily grind of my life. That's essential. That's the ingredient. That's the difference. Lord, flood us with your presence so that we experience your power in the daily grind of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Oh, it's life-giving. And see, Lord, when you change our lives, we think we're drowning. We think it's over. We look around. We see all the destruction, the devastation, feel all the insecurity and the frustration, the disappointment. But what you're doing is as C.S. Lewis said, we're too pleased. We're too easily pleased. You have so much more for us. You have so much more for us. And Lord, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off. Let us throw off. Let us throw off every weight and sin that does beset us running the race that is set before us, the author and finisher of our faith, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, offering to us his authority. And with his authority comes his power. And with his power comes the blessings of God Almighty. We receive it, Lord. We give up our small ambitions today for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, 
Come on, all God's children said. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.